the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Every sin, all we start small. And if we're taking little things, that can lead us to taking bigger things later, feeling entitled to those things. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. We're picking up again in the study. This is part two. Well, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 20, and I entitled this message, Passionate Longings. So sex is one of the most powerful forces that can control a human man or a woman. Yet at the same time, it's one of the greatest gifts that God has given to us for our pleasure. So first, we must notice that the seventh commandment is given in context that the sexual relationship is in a marriage covenant. For to commit adultery is to have sex with someone who you are not married to and is not your married spouse. So let's establish this fact before we move one step further. God created sex for our pleasure. God never said no to sex. He also said this, wait until you're married to embrace sexuality. So he never said no. He just said, can you wait until you come into a marriage covenant with that spouse? So let's first look at what God intended for the sexual relationship to be. Because so many times people will say, you know, the Bible is just full of a bunch of rules and regulations. It's crimping my lifestyle. It's keeping me back from having the pleasure that I want. God doesn't want uh, me to have fun at all in my life. And of course, that could not be further than the truth. For everything that God has established as right and wrong is there for a reason. There's a reason why it's there. If you don't embrace what God says and you say, no, I want to do the opposite of that, guess what? Pain will come in your life eventually. And every time that we break what God has deemed us as wrong, we will always, always reap what we sow. We will pay a price for it. It might not happen immediately, but it will always, always come back on us. It will always cost us. And we will always end up saying, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Ask anyone who's had a pregnancy out of wedlock. It's like, maybe it turned out. Maybe it's like, oh, it turned out to be the best blessing in my life. But it's like, you ask them at the moment, oh, I wish I wouldn't have gotten myself into this situation without being married. 
Ask anyone who has lost their marriage to an affair with another person. I can't tell you how many times I have sat down with couples on their second and third marriage and they're fighting with the very same issues that they lost their first marriage over simply because they never dealt with those issues in the first place. Yes, it all comes back to this. Are we willing to submit to the laws of God? So let's look at what God has said about sex. First, he said in Genesis 2.18, he says, it's not good for a man to be alone. It's not good for a man or a woman to be alone, meaning it's not good for them to be isolated all by themselves. He says, I will make a helper suitable for him. A helper is one to come alongside to aid and to bring relief. Yes, the aloneness of man, God said, was not good. You know, in the Garden of Eden, Adam, he observed all the other animal species, and they were all mated, and they had male and female of each of the animal species. That's when God said, I am going to make a helper. I'm going to make one that's going to come alongside to aid and bring relief to him. That's suitable for Adam. That helper is one to complete Adam. Adam was incomplete without Eve, as Eve would be incomplete without Adam. And once Eve was created, God went on to say in Genesis 2, 24, it says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother. See, because the pecking order is always God first, then it was our relationship with our parents. But now that relationship with our parents is going to lower down and now it's going to be a man has to leave. He has to abandon his mother and father and he must cleave. He must be adhered to his wife and be joined to the wife. And the two now become one flesh, supposedly inseparable. And the man and his wife were both naked and they were not ashamed. Oh, it was a good thing. Oh, we're frolicking in the Garden of Eden naked, and it was all good. See, God was never like, you're not to look at a naked person. You're to look at the naked person as long as they're they're your spouse. That's who you're supposed to be looking at. So this term, they shall become one flesh, is a term of complete and total unity. And according to 1 Corinthians, they become one sexually. That's why Paul in 1 Corinthians 6 says, if you join yourself to a prostitute, you're becoming one flesh with a prostitute. Yes, God created the sexual relationship. God designed this special relationship. And it's not just for making babies. God intended the marriage relationship to be a union that is never, ever to be broken. And as you know, we can do many things with other family and friends, can we not? We can go out to dinner. Let's go out and have a nice dinner. Hey, why don't you come over for a barbecue? Hey, let's go to the movies together. Hey, we can even go on vacation together. Let's rent a nice beach house and you take the front bedroom, we'll take the back bedroom. But God made sexual intimacy to be only for a husband and a wife. Nobody else can be included in this. Never to be shared with anyone else. There is only one relationship. Think about this. There is only one relationship, this side of heaven, 
that is more special than the relationship that we are to have with our spouses, and that is the relationship with God. That's why if you're single here today, you still have the most important relationship that you can experience this side of heaven, and that is with Father God. And that doesn't mean that you are going to be single forever. That doesn't mean that like, okay, I'm going to be single forever, but maybe you need to really understand how important the marriage relationship is. This is why it's so critically important that you find someone who loves Jesus more than they love you. Why? Because you're not a day at the beach. Sorry to be the one to share that with you, but sometimes you're grumpy. Sometimes you don't have the best attitude. Sometimes you do things that you shouldn't do. And this is why it's so critically important to find someone who loves Jesus more than they love you, because they will be forgiving of you. They will be loving with you. They will pray for you. And that's why if maybe you haven't found someone yet, are you that person that loves Jesus more than what your mate's going to love Jesus? Because you're going to have to be forgiving. You're going to have to be the one that comes alongside, that helps and encourages at times when the other one's doing nothing. Yes, find someone who loves Jesus more than they love you, and that's the keeper. And they will love you all the way to heaven's door, and that's what you want. Because again, you don't deserve someone like that, but God will bring someone like that in your life if you're willing to be that person to the other person, that you will love them all the way to heaven's door. And until you find that one, do as the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 7. Serve the Lord as a single person with focus and commitment. But getting back to the sexual aspect of our marriage relationship, listen to the intimacy that God gives to the sexual relationship. I'm going to give you an example in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now, this is where the men are pulling their pens out. Yes, I got to take notes here. All right. Uh, Proverbs chapter 5, verse 15, he says, drink water from your own cistern. Uh, We're talking about drinking water? No. We're talking about the most intimate part of your sexual relationship, okay? So he says, drink water from your own sister, meaning your own wife, and fresh water from your own well. Verse 16, should your springs be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the streets? Should your wife just be walking down the street and just handing out the goods to anyone? Absolutely not. Verse 17, let them be yours alone and not for strangers with you. Verse 18, let your fountain be blessed. The fountain here is your wife's nakedness and rejoice in the wife of your youth. Verse 19, as a loving hind and a graceful doe, let her breasts satisfy you at all times. Be exhilarated always with her love. See, God desires to bless our intimacy. Doesn't that kind of sound weird to some? But it shouldn't. God wants to bless your intimacy between you and your wife. He wants that to be a blessed area of your marriage. He said in Proverbs 5.19 that we are to be exhilarated always with our wise love. Exhilarated. That word exhilarated means to be happy and elated with our love. This is why the Bible puts emphasis on this sexual relationship. We're even told that once we get married, we no longer have priority over our own bodies. 
So to be exhilarated, like this shouldn't just be a thing like, okay, let's just do the deal. Let's do the duty and just be done with it, okay? Let's get it over with. No, how about lighting candles? How about making it romantic? How about, you know, bathing? How about just, you know, make, you know, all these things like, you know, look, this is an event. This is better than going to Disneyland. Trust me. Okay, so in 1 Corinthians 7, now I've given you the Old Testament version of the intimacy that God wants us to have. Now let's look in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 7, starting in verse 2, says this. But because of immoralities, because the world is full with sexual perversion, because this is distorted in almost every aspect of life, because of immoralities... Each man is to have his own wife, one wife, one husband, one wife that are joined together. We've already learned we become one flesh together. And each woman is to have her own husband. And the husband must fulfill his duty. The duty, okay, is a sexual relationship, okay? So that means the husband is to fulfill his duty to his wife and likewise also the wife to her husband. The verse four, the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And the husband's like, honey, you got the highlighter here? Let me cover that up. <laughs> and likewise also the husband does not have authority over his body, but the wife does. Stop depriving one another, except by agreement for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer and that you come together again. Why? Sexually, why? Having a healthy sexual intimate relationship? Why? So that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Yes, God has made the sexual relationship, get this, for our pleasure. But as you know... God also put restrictions on the area of sexual pleasure. This is why God spelled it out very clearly for us in Leviticus chapter 18. Because, you know, people would say, oh, I, I didn't know. Look, I, wasn't, I didn't know I wasn't supposed to have sex with the next door neighbor. I didn't know. You know, it's like, no, 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 no. So God had to spell it out for us so that we would know, like, what you can do, what you can't do, okay? So in Leviticus 18, we're told that we cannot have this sexual relationship with our mom. Sorry. Uh, you cannot have this sexual relationship with your dad. Off limits. No can do, can't happen, can't happen with your father's wife if they're remarried or your, your, your mother's new husband. You can't, no, can't have that. You can't have sex with your sister. You cannot have sex with your brother. You cannot have sex with your aunt or your uncle. You can't have sex with your son or your daughter. You can't have sex with your son-in-law. You can't have sex with your daughter-in-law. We cannot have it with children, and you cannot have it with multiple wives. We cannot have it with someone of the same sex. We cannot have it while unmarried with a boyfriend or a girlfriend. We cannot have it with an animal. So God, I mean, he lays down every possible scenario. And he tells us, look, here's the restrictions. I've made this for a husband and wife coming together. And you can't do it in all of these other areas. 
Yes, God created the sexual relationship for a man and a woman who have committed to each other in a marriage covenant. Let me lead you to what God says here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification to be set apart for him. That is that you abstain, that means you stop from sexual immorality. Any kind of sexual sin in your life, you stop and you stop now. That each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification, meaning you need to learn how to control your body and your sexual urges because it's not love, it's lust. He says, and honor. He says, verse five, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God and that no man trespass and defraud his brother. What does that mean? You're defrauding your brother by having premarital sex. You are causing your Christian girlfriend to sin against God. You are causing your Christian boyfriend to sin against God. You have brought sin into the camp. He says, stop defrauding your brother, your sister in the matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all these things, just as also he told you before and solemnly warned you. Verse 7, for God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification to be set apart to him. Verse 8, so he who rejects this is not rejecting Pastor Steve. You're not rejecting man but God who gives the Holy Spirit to you. So if you don't like this, it's like, just know that's fine. You can do whatever you want to do, but don't be mad at me. Don't be mad at core church. Your problem is against God and you are rejecting him and his word. And if you were to say, well, you know what? I just don't care. I don't care. I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. It's like, that's fine. You can because God has given to every one of us our own free will. But this is what he goes on to say. He says in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, he says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? See, don't you know that you're toying with your eternity? Like, don't you want to go to heaven? God's not trying to be the cosmic killjoy. He's the one that created this for your pleasure. But he wants it done in his context of what is right and wrong. He says, I want you to go to heaven. I want you to spend eternity in heaven. He says, do not be deceived. Don't fool yourself in this. No fornicator, no idolater, no adulterer, no effeminate, sexually perverted, nor homosexual, no thief, no covetous, no drunkard, no reveler, no swindler is going to inherit the kingdom of God. So he says, like, look, you can do whatever you want to do, but you will not go to heaven in the end. Because it's appointed for every man and every woman to die once. And after that, you'll stand before me. And if you chose to completely blow off what I said, you cannot go to heaven. You will spend eternity separated from me. But that's not God's will for you. God's will, he loves you. He says, look, I want to bless this area of your life. You got hormones that are running all over your body? Good. I want to bless that with the sexual intimacy with a husband or a wife. And I want to bless that relationship with you. And I want you to go to heaven for all eternity and spend all eternity in heaven with me. Yes, it's a choice. God allows us to make our own choices. But because many have chosen to do what God has says no to do, this is why we are plagued with what? Out of control, sexually transmitted diseases. Names I don't even want to repeat here from the pulpit. 
with hepatitis and herpes and AIDS, according to the CDC, that's the Center of Disease Control. There is a way, though, in our culture today of completely stopping the spread of sexually transmitted diseases. What does the CDC say? Number one, abstinence, not having sex. (laughs) And number two, mutual monogamy. Two people committed to each other. Gee, it almost sounds like God was right in what he was saying, huh? And God was absolutely right in what he said. Yes, if humanity embraced what God said, there would be no sexually transmitted diseases. And there are millions that are currently infected. Maybe God knew what he was talking about after all when he gave his directives on sexual intimacy for humanity. Which brings up our quick point here, and that is living upright. Let's read again verse 15 and the eighth commandment. You shall not steal. This is pretty straight up. (laughs) Don't take what's not yours. (laughs) We all know this. There isn't much debate about that really, but have you felt entitled though as a Christian to more than what is truly yours? We're taking advantage of maybe some insurance claim where you have an insurance claim and all of a sudden it was maybe a little nicer than what it was. Maybe claiming a little bit more on that claim than than what actually got stolen or damaged or what have you. Are you taking advantage of a government subsidy, uh, some city program? You know, it, it doesn't matter, quote, if everyone else is doing it because a lot of people take advantage of the government take advantage of all the programs that are out there and what have you. But as believers, we're not supposed to do that. Maybe at work, you're taking supplies, pens and paper and what have you. Again, little things, but those little things still violates God's law. You know, are we getting something for nothing is the question. Let's not forget, every sin always starts small. And if we're taking little things that can lead us to taking maybe bigger things later, feeling entitled to those things, obviously theft is a major issue today. It's a major issue. It's like now they say that, you know, basically you can shoplift it. It's just a a citation now. It's basically a ticket up to $950. It's like, really? The Bible supports the idea of private property. If you bought it, you own it. And nobody has the right to take it from you. And if they do, restoration is involved. They need to give back what they've taken. But let's not forget that ultimately God owns everything. We're told in Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and all those who dwell in it. God, he owns everything. It's all his. But for those who steal, this is what the Bible says in Ephesians 4, 28. He who steals must steal no longer. You come to know Christ as your savior, you don't steal anymore. That's just the way it is. You become a Christian, you stop stealing. At your job, wherever you do, you don't steal anymore. He goes on to say, but rather you must labor, performing work with your own hands, what is good, so that he will have something to share with the one who has a need. So not only are you to work now, but you're to share with those that don't have much around you. See, God gave us his commandments 
not to hinder us, not to make our lives miserable, but rather to bless us. And when you obey God's commands, even though they might not make full sense to you at the moment, it's like God will bless you when you do what is right. Blessed are those who keep the commandments of God. As it says in Psalm 1, you know, blessed is he who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. But he who walks in the commandments of the Lord is like, he will be like a tree that's firmly planted by streams of water. He'll yield fruit in its season, and whatsoever he does, he will prosper. See, God wants to bless us. So even though it might not make full sense to you, or maybe it does make full sense, it is worth readjusting how you work and how you operate as a human being here before God and asking him to help you to walk in his way because when you do, you will be that blessed man or that blessed woman. Amen? Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, all one word, to 77977. You can also give via our app and online at corechurchla.org. Or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34. 34- 789 Los Angeles, California 90034 Three-star general Michael J. Flynn Head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency Knew all the government's dirty secrets He was one of the most respected generals in the military Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to He understood its funding He ordered the first audit Of the use of contractors This set off alarm bells The explosive new documentary Flynn Deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.